pitch me a Batman movie. <laughs> yeah. Batman is like cruising around the city when he finds out that Alfred's grandpa is dead and Alfred's he inherits. How the fuck old is Alfred's grandpa? He, he, <laughs> the science in Batman's Gotham is very advanced, and so uh, Alfred's grandfather dies and leaves him a vast fortune. But in order to receive that fortune, Batman has to uh, uh, pursue a boxing career. <laughs> And welcome back to Talking During the Movie, the show where two jack-offs talk about new movies and movie news. I'm James. And I'm Mike. And this is episode 52, The Lost World, Mike and James. And what I just realized, we've had as many episodes as weeks in a year. It took us about a year and a half to do it, but we're here, baby. Wow, does that mean, wait, does that mean we skipped a third of the weeks? Um, math. God damn it. Well, wow. No, no. Okay, so what did we... It was like a year and four months, maybe. Because I, I feel like we started this thing March. again like in April, March. right? We started it in... Yeah, March or April. I'm pretty sure it was like late March, early April. Something like that. Well, I can find this out. This is totally... We didn't like plan this. I'm finding this out right now. I'm getting to the bottom of this motherfucker. And by <laughs> that, I mean I'm scrolling to the bottom this of is our podcast page. <laughs> Welcome to the first 15 minutes of our show, where Mike and James hunt down how many weeks they've been doing this goddamn podcast. <laughs> okay, our first, Mike and James Rebirth, April 9th. That's when we. That's when it posted, so okay. now it's like August 9th. So it's like a year and four months, so it's not. we didn't quite miss a third. We missed anywhere between a fourth and a third. Oh my god. You know, eventually these podcasts are just going to be like boyhood. They're just going to slowly document us aging over time. <laughs> Oh man, we just gotta do like a twelve-year running podcast. Yeah, and then on the twelfth year, we will play, uh, we will play uh, "Hero" by Family of the Year, <laughs> and drive solemnly down the road to college. Okay. No, I, I just meant like we constantly record for twelve years, man. Oh God. <laughs> uh, I've said it. Before I will say it again, uh, when we get a paycheck for this, I'll do whatever the fuck you want me to do. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but uh, until, then, until then, uh, I uh, until then I retain free will in this show, and uh, yeah, we get lazy, we get we get lax sometimes, and we miss weeks, and that's okay. Um, sometimes my computer goes down. Sometimes. Mike goes through bouts of anxiety. This is all okay. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the demons come back in my head and I have to fight them off. And that's okay. <laughs> that's totally okay. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I have to consume the flesh of loved ones in order to survive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, uh, getting the show off to a chipper note. Um, what, are we, what are we talking about today? James, well, speaking of survival... Well, basically, nothing fucking happened. Um, so we're decided to talk about things that we like instead. <laughs> like, we decided to throw out most, like, semblance of timeliness. Like, we're even a little late on the Batman one, to be honest. So, yeah. So, so you guys, you know how 
I'll go through those those bouts where I just get into a Star Wars rant and I'll go off for 20, 30 minutes on a uh, on a facet of the Star Wars series that just really grinds my gears and I never stop. Well, that's what you're in for for this new segment today. I hope you're excited as I am. Uh, yeah, so what are we, on the docket is Batman, in some capacity or another, Batman, Godzilla, and then Hunt for the Wilder People, <laughs> which transitions naturally, <laughs> I think. Very seamlessly, yes. I mean, you can't have one without the other two, I think. <laughs> These are all a very tightly knit uh, quilt of... Of, of film criticism basically we didn't want to talk about uh jason bourne or bad moms so uh we get uh, instead this very uh a uh, uh, pretty unknown movie from uh taika waititi who uh is probably best known for uh last year co-directing what we do in the shadows undisputably the best comedy of 2015 i <sighs> Uh, I, undisputably, I I will not dispute it. Okay, well, you know, I think I'm I think I'll give that one to you. I think like a strong second and maybe could push for the first is is uh, sleeping with other people, which I've mentioned. Which, several oh, times. okay, all right, which I have not seen, so I can't uh, I can't object too much. Um, uh, yeah, I, I've I've went back and forth on those ones, and I'm. Uh, Still, really haven't come up to, with a satisfying answer, but fair enough. What we do in the shadows definitely just barely was one of those films that just barely missed uh, my top ten. I it was in like honorable mentions of last year. It was it was really good, and I had some problems that I think I would be able to reconcile upon a second viewing, but I haven't been able to see it partially because it's come off HBO Go. So fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it'll it'll be present in this review as a point of reference uh, on occasion, but uh, we weren't able to really uh, delve into it uh, again before doing this episode. So a lot of the references will probably be a bit vague and uh, ethereal, but they will be there. Oh, also, I've locked Merlin in my office so he doesn't uh, bother my my sleeping roommate girlfriend. And, uh, yes, which uh, means for, he's probably going to be meowing more frequently. <laughs> yes, for our listeners who aren't aware, James has actually gotten into the sport of collecting famous warlocks, and uh, <laughs> it's a it's a dangerous game, man. <laughs> <laughs> the most dangerous game is not man; it's wizards. It's wizards. <laughs> oh man. Oh, okay. All right. So. Uh, yeah, no news. Um, just meowing. No news, just meowing and Batman. So, uh, what's what's going on with Batman? James, you're the Uber fan. Uh, I'll uh, I'll leave you the honors to uh, kick this puppy off. Okay, so you know, let's go way back to uh, a, a little film that was pretty bloated. You know, I'll say it may have been a little a little overstuffed, and that was. Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice just maybe what? bit off more than it could chew, plot-wise, and maybe sort of tried to set up an entire cinematic universe in the course of Bruce Wayne reading an email, and maybe showed Batman killing like twenty-four too many people. It uh, maybe wasn't very good. 
before you go on further, I just need to ask you how much Marvel is paying you. <laughs> I am being paid $7 trillion by Marvel. Well, for one positive review on your podcast, wow. Uh-huh. How, how unbelievably plausible. It's, like, it's, <laughs> it's $1 trillion per viewer that you have. Dear God. <laughs> Please continue. Um, so that, when that happened, I got in a really sad mindset about Batman because I knew that Donna Justice was going to make a lot of money. Yes, it was a disappointment. It actually didn't reach the billion mark, which to me was like, yay, yay, they're gonna, maybe they're going to change things or it's going to make them take a big step back out, step back and say, hey, wait a second. But it's probably not going to happen. We're still getting this Batman who I went on record as calling the worst iteration of Batman on screen or otherwise. Just anywhere you could have possibly seen Batman, this is the worst. And not because of Ben Affleck, just because of Zack Snyder doesn't understand Batman. But then, I even, I even, I remember this, I even had an apology. I had an apology for saying that on a future episode because I knew that Batman the Killing Joke was coming out. The, the animated film. And it was being R-rated. And returned Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill voicing Batman and the Joker, respectively. The, the most famous voice actors for those characters, far and away. What could possibly go wrong? And then I actually saw the movie, and now Batman sucks. Just, Batman sucks <laughs> And it will for a long time. <laughs> because hey, they're still making these DC Universe Batman films. And I don't know when they're going to make another uh, Batman animated film. But I'm sad. Even Alan Moore is not safe. <laughs> even Alan Moore is not safe. Uh, I, you know, you said I could use this line, but I'll give credit where credit is due. Somehow they made it stiffer than the stationary comic book page. It, it just... It, came off as such a dry reading of the comic book and not to not to mention but we're going to mention it of course the awful insertion of this batgirl backstory which culminated in her having sex with batman <laughs> um, uh, doggy style on a roof no no cowgirl cowgirl cow oh okay do you think they would show doggy come on <laughs> oh so, sorry i i don't know it it's not really. I mean, look, if, if you can, if you have the incompetence to fuck up the Killing Joke, I don't know what you're capable of. Um, <laughs> I know it's the it's, Killing Joke. It, 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 no one is safe. Is this is? I wow. This is what it is like to be a Batman movie fan right now. Must have been what it was like to be a Star Wars fan for a good fifteen years. <laughs> Yeah, I can't really <laughs> compete with that. You know, this is just a slump, I suppose. So, like, we still yeah. have. I mean, look, th- this bat slump in Batman happened less than a decade, less than five years after the last, the, the greatest Batman trilogy of all time completed. So, whereas oh, yeah. <laughs> Star Wars debacle, yeah, was like. 
you will still always have the original trilogy, but they're not exactly, it's not as fresh in your mind, and it's not like, okay, well, that just happened. It's like, no, the prequel trilogy at a time was all you really had. It's not like it was, it's exclusively in the hands of the one person who's constantly fucking up your childhood. Um, (laughs) Now, I don't want to, I don't want to make this a, like an R.I.P., like a Batman Rest in Peace, which is actually a good storybook, story, comic book arc. Um, I, I uh, thought I had this brilliant idea, because I'm brilliant. That's why I have, because I have brilliant ideas. I, I have words. I have the best words. Are we just going to go Trump? Are we going to go full Trump this episode? I was going to go full uh, uh, pop star, never stop, never stopping. Talk about uh, having incredible thoughts. Oh my god! And I'm so humble and all I'm, that. I, 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 you understand Trump has said all this in the last like 24 hours. So. Oh, I thought you were gonna say like 24 minutes. No, like 24 hours. <laughs> and I like I, I did not know I did not even know you were referencing uh, "Never Stop, Never Stopping." Like truly, I'm not even trying to bring politics into this. I actually thought you were referencing. Oh god, we're talking politics during the movie. Yeah. Well, sorry. I know that's kind of like pissing on the floor, but. <laughs> But the, the Republican Party is pissing on the floor of our Constitution. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, better call a priest. Uh, uh, but I had an idea. The power of Washington compels you. Yes. <laughs> I had an idea. Okay. And that's that Batman, the animated films, could tap into this obsession that, I don't know, television and television and movie audiences have with true-ish crime stories about someone being accused of something they didn't do. And this trend is everywhere. It's really popular. It's the night of, it's serial, it's making a murderer. Even like uh, The Jinx, if you remember that documentary series, uh, was touching on this thing, this true crime investigation and there's actually a batman story where bruce wayne gets accused of murder of murdering his girlfriend and his only alibi is he's batman and so we obviously can't use that alibi how funny would it be if sarah koenig from npr actually like came the the uh the serial music started playing in the background and then she started talking about the entire bruce wayne story and that's how they framed it (laughs) that'd be fucking awesome I don't know, but oh. honestly, this that story arc would get me jazzed, like psyched for it. Of course, they could still fuck it up, as is evidenced. So but I'm really, in, I'm really looking for something here. Like, give give me something to be excited about, and Bruce Wayne murderer would be awesome. So, um, I think it's worth noting, or you know, so speculating why. Uh, these, you know, iterations of Batman have been so lacking lately when it's seemingly, I mean, honestly, in terms of just cultural resonance, probably the most popular superhero in existence right now. Um, I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows Batman. Uh, the, The Nolan movies got, I think, public excitement about him, uh, you know, to a new high, and people realized the potential of this character. So... What's going on now that's kind of besmirching that? I would say, at least as far as the live-action films are concerned, there's been a 
a combination of a lack of understanding of what this character actually means and is about with uh, a desire to just create a spectacle. More than anything, that's what the uh, that's what the DC films have, and not not just Batman's, but uh, Man of Steel as well. Uh, they've they've aspired just to create spectacle uh, at the expense of character, uh, you know, plot. Uh, development, any any sense of like a thematic connection to the character itself, uh, it, it just kind of goes by the wayside. So, do you think that there's maybe a fundamental, and even in the Killing Joke, there's almost a lack of emphasis on Batman in general. Um, uh, so, do you think there's maybe just a fundamental lack of understanding of what Batman means? I've yeah, I've definitely thought that since Zack Snyder came out with his bastard of of a batman movie yeah i just he doesn't get it and honestly i I don't know if that same thing is going to be carried over to the joker in suicide squad by all accounts it it has you know i don't i don't know really what people have said about uh, the joker specifically but from everything I, i already know about jared leto's iteration like that's not the joker the joker's not some like hot topic murderer but but well see i always thought the biggest problem with heath ledger's joker was that um you know yeah he he was impressive as an actor but he didn't have anything physically on his face telling me how much the damaged soul he was and i Uh I i think it's a real step forward that jared leto's joker has the word damage tattooed on his forehead because uh, that shows uh, me and everyone else in the audience that um, that he's really messed up. He's really messed up. Yeah, you know, I really, I, I couldn't get that with Heath Ledger's Joker. <laughs> yeah, like, right? nothing, nothing about him really screamed damaged. You know, um, he seemed like a perfectly put together man. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh, also, I'm just going to okay, just going to use this as a moment. Uh, to uh, express some shots. You're going to jack off. Let's just be real. No, I'm not, because I will will explain why. Look, we don't know whether or not Suicide Squad will be good or not, because neither of us have seen it. No, we don't. um, It might be phenomenal. We might have the same experience with Suicide Squad that so many people had with Batman v Superman uh, that caused them to believe that um, Marvel... Uh, was paying off critics to give it bad reviews, uh, which d- uh, fuck you. It's so much, um, uh, who knows? We might have that same experience with Suicide Squad. Some people who got early screenings of it uh, had incredibly positive reviews. Pretty much anyone who's a paid professional critic uh, has really not liked it. Uh, anywhere from uh, mixed to completely derided, uh, d- d- derisive reviews. Um, uh, I think currently it sits at like a 32 at on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, Let's something along the lines of that, and a 42 on Metacritic, which is actually um, lower than Dawn of Justice. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, this is the exact same thing all over again. I, I, I remember everyone saying about, um, about Dawn of Justice, yeah, well, you know, even the people who didn't like it, they'd be like, yeah, well, okay, maybe this one wasn't, as great as it should have been, but that's okay because we got Suicide Squad coming out later, and that one's just going to kick fucking ass. And I've been skeptical about it this whole goddamn time, 
And I'm just saying, it's kind of nice that early reviews coming in for it are justifying my prediction. However, I will. I have to say, oh wow, it's actually gone down to a 31 on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh no! <laughs> Since I last <laughs> looks looked, like you were wrong after all. I guess so. Um, so I will say this: I will keep an open mind going into this. If I think it's just a masterpiece, I will say so. I will, regardless of, of critical general critical reception, I will. I will admit that I was wrong. If I disagree with the general consensus, I and, and I want to, I want to sort of bolster this claim. This is the same person, Mike, my my co-host, you, uh, <laughs> uh, who around the same time last year went on record saying that uh, that the new Deadpool movie is going to suck and Ryan Reynolds is going to ruin the character, and then came back with a plateful of crow and scarfed down every feather on air. Coincident- so, coincidentally, I'm still coughing up plumes. <laughs> yeah, no, the, you're you're a man of your word. Mm. <laughs> uh, okay. Also, what's with the fucking laugh at the beginning of the Suicide Squad trailer? It's like it, it's just, ah, ha, 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 ha. like it's. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> this. It's, oh. Oh, God. Like I read a story of like Jared Leto tried out a few different laughs for his Joker. I was like, you should have tried out a few more. Yeah, and they went with the they went with uh, the Harley Quinn slowly grabbing his balls laugh. That's <laughs> that's great. She should be so lucky. Uh, I uh, so. Look, there, there are a lot of places that Batman could go that I would that I would really enjoy. Like I talked about, what they I think the best way they should handle Batman, how Batman go acts in future films is just to completely forget that he ever killed anyone, <laughs> completely ignore it. In fact, to bring it back up as to say that oh I don't kill people and then don't let anyone tell him about anything in Dawn of Justice. <laughs> I I still love the uh, was, was it college humor sketch with Pat Oswald uh, where he plays I think the the penguin and Batman just is murdering everybody. <laughs> I think I remember that one. And doesn't seem to understand that they're dead. It's like what? you just killed him. Oh no, that poor guy. He just took it out. <laughs> Wait, you haven't seen that one? No, no, I have. I just haven't oh, seen okay. it in a while. Okay. Um, yeah, it's. I. I would love to take that approach. But no, I mean, they don't have to do it as like comedically. But seriously, that was honestly take that out of Dawn of Justice, and I'm not nearly as offended by it. I mean, I'm. It's still bad, but it doesn't offend. It doesn't offend my sensibilities as a Batman fan. Just as a just as a general movie goer who wants cohesiveness. Um, but yeah, I. And I think they could easily just ignore it, like just completely capitulate, hat in hand, come back, say, we were wrong about Batman, we're going to do him right, and we're not really going to reference the fact that we did him wrong. That's fine. <laughs> like, don't give me yeah. Batman going through a crisis of conscience in the next film saying, oh, I really shouldn't have killed those people. I'm going to kill people anymore. I, I would actually prefer um, uh, Alfred, uh, played by Jeremy Irons, to come to him and just be like, 
It's a miracle no one was killed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a miracle no one was killed. It's <laughs> oh, the funniest moment in the entire Noah trilogy. Well, there's some there's some competing there's, funny moments with yeah, like true. realizing that the canister said Master Wayne. <laughs> Like that was nuts when I found that. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Um, and and with the animated films, like I did mention, I did mention uh, Bruce Wayne murderer, but there are a lot of good ones they could do. They could, you know, I I would say they would do the Long Halloween, but that's just doing the Dark Knight. But they, but they could do uh, like I I would still love them to do the, the Long. Oh, Halloween. it's true. Yeah, and it's actually would be a little bit better because it would show like. I don't know. Sort of a gradual progression from from There's Harvey a, Dent to Two Face. There know? are also more villains in there, and uh, they made somehow villains I thought were beyond redemption, just somehow badass in that story. And uh, like a, a Calendar Man is that the what's his name? Yeah, yeah, Calendar Man, Julian Calendar Gregory Man. Day. I, I I could not believe that was a real villain. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he kills people based on the holidays. God damn it. Yeah, that's why is his that name is Julian power? Gregory Day. It's Julian Calendar, Gregory Calendar, and then Day for obvious reasons. Yeah, okay. I got it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and also there's just, like, a bunch of awesome, like, God... I, I mean, have the movie, have the graphic novels basically a Godfather reference, so it's uh, it's pretty great. I, it's my personal favorite Batman graphic novel of mine that I've read, so... Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I, I mean, they've already done a lot of good ones too, and that's why I really. They did. They did thought, Year One and uh, Dark Knight Rise or Dark Knight Returns as well. Yeah, and Under the Red Hood. Those are probably the that's three right. that had it banked for me. I was like, I was like, yeah, Killing Joke is a foregone conclusion. I said this in in the pre-show, but before the Killing Joke, I was before I saw it, I was looking up to see if the Killing Joke would be eligible for Best Animated Feature. <laughs> like that's how good I thought it would be. Well, because. I it's based on the killing joke and the Batman animated films has almost almost never steered me wrong before at least not when dealing with really established story arcs you know year one Dark Knight Returns Under the Red Hood like these really important ones they just haven't fucked up they, they've hit home runs so I did not see where it could go wrong and here I am watching Batgirl mount Batman <laughs> Unfortunately, we'll. Uh, it looks like we'll have to uh, just wait and see if Sausage Party can pull off a best animated feature nomination. That would just—that's the world I want to live in. Like, I, I want to be there when I, when an R-rated, raunchy animated film wins best animated feature. Well, it does look like the world we're about to live in is at the very least that uh, Sausage Party is going to get better reviews than Batman: The Killing Joke. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I'm just saying, that's what it looks like. Um, this is a sign of the end times. Better prepare for Valhalla. Get your <laughs> chrome good, ready. It's a good day to die, Valhalla. Who wants some blue tortilla chips? Blue tortilla. So it's a Patton Oswalt obviously. Okay. <laughs> they were flying in a plane. And he's just like, this should not be happening. This is an affront to science and God. We are so we're flying in a metal tube through the sky, daring God not to kill us for three hours. Who? And does anyone object to this? No one. All right, it's a good day to die. Valhalla. Who wants some blue potato chips? <laughs> nice. <laughs>
<laughs> sorry for that. Uh, sorry for that diversion. Anyway, um, uh, so it, I mean, you you might have said it all there. I yeah. I mean, we probably nerded out about Batman enough. We can nerd out about Godzilla if you want to. Oh, <laughs> great! Godzilla and King Kong. Let's do Godzilla. this. Godzilla. Godzilla. We have a new cinematic universe on our hands uh, because this is apparently a, a popular thing now. Yeah, yeah sure. okay. You know how I said there's no tie-in. We have the weakest, thinnest tie-in ever for the for talk about Godzilla. This is our excuse. I'm gonna be upfront. This is our excuse to talk about Godzilla, and that's that there was an image that's been surface surfaced probably like three or four weeks ago. <laughs> Comparing yep. the sizes oh my of God. Godzilla throughout the years. June 15th. <laughs> this is our news. Month and a half ago. This There's, is our news segment. There was nothing. Nothing happened. You know, I feel like I just saw... I, you know, I do feel like I just saw this, though. Like, it, this may have been tweeted on June I think 15th. it got big, like, a few weeks ago, but, I, I mean, it was tweeted out back in June. <laughs> Even so, it got picked up. And uh, the new Godzilla film is actually beating beating the 2014 Godzilla for the the tallest, stretching over 118 meters. Although I think Gareth Edwards' version of this particular kaiju is has more mass. Uh, yeah, uh, this new Godzilla appears to have dieted a bit. Um, <laughs> he hit the gym. He hit the gym. Uh, you know, the- fixed his posture. You know those Japanese, they're very lean and, and lithe and, and uh, in good shape. Yeah, and, that's uh, good. And, you know, the American Godzilla just ate a bunch of hamburgers and uh, kind of let himself go a little bit. He got fat on those American cheeseburgers. I actually read that quote. It's a great quote. It's, I, <laughs> what, a, what a phenomenal criticism. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I find it particularly interesting because Godzilla has frequently... Uh, I mean, it's. I've I've known this, but it's actually try, it's trying to be more subtle about how much Godzilla actually fluctuates in size throughout <laughs> movies. In fact, I believe if you get to like the really really corny Toho stuff, Godzilla can actually change his size at will. Oh, you know that it's good that they actually make that like a plot point. I remember their it's Roland that- Emmerich one; they just like blatantly ignored his size. Like one day he's breaking through, one moment he's breaking through a skyscraper, the other moment he's squeezed himself inside a subway tunnel. Um, the uh, the Roland Emmerich one is actually uh, on average relatively small compared to how big Godzilla normally is, and it's actually amazing because in uh, the previous Godzilla Toho film that they made Final War in two, 2004 there's a scene where the actual Godzilla uh, <laughs> takes on the American Godzilla from Zilla. Roland movie, which they just called Zilla and he is like a pipsqueak compared to the original Godzilla he's, <laughs> he's tiny he's like this little iguana looking thing and uh, yeah he, he destroys him in about two seconds it's incredible yeah, you know, and there's um the ultimate fuck you to uh, American studios for making the first Godzilla. You know, honestly, I'm surprised that they even included Zilla on this picture. You know, they they have him in the size comparison from 1998. I figured they would. Okay, well, I, I have to make a draw a comparison between video games here. So you you're familiar with the Batman? We're talking about Batman again. The Batman Arkham games. Yeah, of course. 
Yeah, so there's there's this one called Arkham Origins, which took right. place in between Arkham City and Arkham Knight. And when Arkham Knight came out, the thing is that the Arkham Origins was made by a different studio. So when Arkham oh. Knight came out, they said the compl- they called it the completion of the Arkham trilogy. Oh my god. <laughs> they could they completely like sucker punched <laughs> you know gave the middle finger to arkham origins like i honestly i and that's why i was surprised to see zilla on here i was like i'm surprised you just didn't just pretended you should have pretended that didn't exist you know good god yeah uh you know like these were all the godzillas still, throughout history it's still worth referencing i guess um at least as a joke um but another reason the size might be interesting is because in this new Godzilla universe, uh, they're uh, also bringing back Godzilla versus King Kong, and uh, the the American version, not the uh, the. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, the American version. So I just the, want to make sure. I am pretty excited about the the Shin Godzilla, the new Japanese Toho one. Yeah, we do have to. Spe- we do have to. Um, I, I figure we can lump this all into one conversation, but we do have this to distinguish. There are two. Godzilla series going on right now, completely independent of one another, because these are two different studios that have two different sets of rights. So the first one is the American franchise, begun by the Gareth Edwards Godzilla movie, which will be continued in Godzilla Skull Island, which now has a trailer out. Kong Skull Island. Or, I'm sorry, <laughs> Godzilla Skull Island. Now that would be a good movie. <laughs> That'd be incredible. Um, it's Kong Skull Island, and then uh, eventually they will they will let them fight. In, uh, <laughs> In a crossover movie between the two. Then there's also the Toho Godzilla series, which is the original studio that created Godzilla back in the 50s and still uh, has an active film series that they hasn't been active since 2004. And they're finally coming out with their first new Godzilla movie this year, um, which may or may not get an American release. I'm not sure. It sounds like they are now. It sounds like it's definitely going to get an American release, although I did read a story about a month before this that said it's definitely not getting an American release. So who the fuck knows? I really hope it does, so I'll be able to maybe see it at some point. That'd be cool. But, you know, I'm actually... The the 2014 Godzilla holds up real well, and I'm excited for it to to come out in the future. But it's like... I'm also... I, I don't think Gareth Edwards is directing it, uh, because he's too busy being a megastar, and what else am I not excited about? I don't know. Pretty much that's uh, it. Well, <laughs> oh, wait, hate, and I it's hate, not coming out for like four years or something like that. Um, a uh, uh, another fact about it is uh, that uh, in order to make Godzilla versus King Kong make any sense, they had to make King Kong much much bigger. Yeah, which I was, I really wish they just like kept him sort of small sized. I mean, he's traditionally about fifty feet tall, so. Yeah. Um, Whereas know. the Gareth Edwards Godzilla is one hundred and eight meters tall. Yep. Um, and I always thought that it, I, I actually always thought it would be funny and entertaining to see King Kong versus Godzilla at their actual sizes. <laughs> you can do it, man. <laughs> I mean, King Kong would have to get really creative, but, I mean, you would get a cool fight. Yeah, it would, it would sort of be like Ant-Man. Exactly. It would, yeah, it, it could be, it had the potential to be very cool, but alas, they're making Godzilla ungodly enormous. And, uh, well, or, I'm Kong. sorry, King Kong ungodly enormous. And, um, you know, we're just forgetting about the, uh, you know, 
underappreciated masterpiece that was Peter Jackson's Godzilla movie. And that's fine. It's whatever. Look, man, I, I I love monster movies, man. I do too. I, I love Godzilla. Too. I loved I love uh, off brand Mothra from from the 2014 one. Like that was that was cool. Like their fight was really cool. I love the host from Bong Joon Ho's The Host. Oh yeah, yeah. Not My that favorite. shitty American horror movie. No, God, that wasn't even a horror movie. That was just a dumb sci-fi romance. Um, it's horrifying. Oh, it's true. Um, <laughs> it's it's actually horrifying when you realize who directed it. The same guy who wrote The Truman Show and made Galaga. Whoa. Yeah. Good God. I know. Um, but Kong Skull Island did get a trailer, and it, it was actually pretty cool. I mean, yeah, it kind of just looks like they're... It, it, I mean, it looks like aliens. Like, I mean, right? not... No, the, like the James Cameron movie <laughs> Aliens. Yeah, no, I understand exactly what you mean. I mean, it's basically that... Uh, it, it, it's following the same trajectory as the Alien series, right? The first one is about them just discovering this new land and then trying to get the hell away from it uh, while also bringing along an unexpected visitor or, uh, uh, you know, an unexpected retainee. And then the second one is I'm going back and just with an army and blowing the fuck up out of the place. <laughs> like, it just seems to be, you know, basically doing the whole alien thing. Um, so, hey, I'm, yeah. I'm cool with it. I mean... I love Alien, so, you know, it's it's fine. It just looks unremarkable because... The Godzilla or the King Kong remake was done with such reverence for the original. Um, you could tell Peter Jackson brought a lot of uh, care and attention to detail uh, to the project, and I'm just not convinced that the new Kong is going to have any of that. It's probably just going to be making shit explode. So I feel like this new one, you know, it's on it's on thin ice, so to speak. It's like skating on thin ice. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh shut the fuck up. <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, is this gonna land? <sighs> There's a scene in the Peter Jackson King Kong movie where he gets reunited. The King Kong gets reunited with Andero, and they go for a skate on ice outside in New York during the winter time on a pond. Uh-huh. This is the dumbest scene I've ever seen in my life in any movie ever. <laughs> it's like saccharin doesn't even begin to describe it. Uh, but don't worry, I don't hold that against the film too much. I, I pretty much love that film. If I can... Look, look, and then, yes, we can just focus on that and ignore the amazing two and a half hours around it. Uh-huh. Okay, with some pacing problems. Um, you know, but I prefer to uh, I prefer to take the Peter Jackson Kong uh, in in mass flaws and all. Look, if if I could ignore, no, I came here to stop you. Then I can ignore anything. God, I can't believe that's a real line. It's a it's the, a real line. The, 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 no, Bane, the, I came here to stop you, Della. <laughs> Why would I come back to die? That doesn't make any fucking sense. You're stupid. Why would you even ask that? <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right. Oh, I'm. 
Oh, it's very late. It's very late on a Wednesday. <laughs> Feeling tired on a Wednesday. <laughs> Feeling good on a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, Spark- yeah. Sparkling thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Gotta pull yourself together. Okay. All right. So, are we done nerding out, James, or do we have more? I think so. No, I think we're I think we're done nerding out. This is our nerding out segment in lieu of anything actually relevant to talk about. This is uh, this is what happens when there's no news. So, this is what happens. And you know, honestly, it is on us a little bit because we didn't see any other movies and we didn't prepare a third segment, even though there was a really obvious one. So, you know, I, I'm gonna take part of the blame for this but hopefully you enjoyed this nonsensical ramblings about stuff we love i think the ironic thing is that we've definitely i think we've gone off on longer tangents before yeah actually you know this was pretty pretty good i'm pretty sure i don't know i mean you you can be the judge when you're editing this but i'm pretty sure we've gone more off the rails before (laughs) i i'm positive we've gone more off the rails yeah yeah Oh God! All right, so we're seeing a uh, we saw a Sam Neill movie, which we didn't know was a Sam Neill movie. Oh yeah, so yeah, it was very distracting to me the entire film because I did not know it was Sam Neill, but I was pretty darn sure, and I didn't see the opening credits, so I really had to like I I, I had to focus all my attentions on identifying this mysterious bearded actor who is indeed Sam Neill. Yeah, so my experience was that I saw the trailers, and every time it was like a profile shot, I was like, man, that guy really looks like Sam Neill. But then anytime it was on, I was like, oh, that's not Sam Neill, it's fine. And then I, I did see the opening credits, and I was like, oh my god, it's actually fucking Sam Neill. This is Dr. Alan Grant. <laughs> they study dinosaurs. They travel in herds. <laughs> They're moving in herds. They do move in herds. You know, like pot. Yeah. Oh God. I was. Thank you. I was just about to say that I cannot say that line anymore without thinking about that terrible joke from Ted Two. Like God. I mean, it was actually a good joke that was ruined. I should say. Yeah. I, just the Seth MacFarlane has a shit sense of comic timing. He always keeps his stuff going a beat or two too long. If yeah, not, I, if not, I think it's just because he doesn't think that we get it, but yeah. we get it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's neither here nor there. What is here is Hunt for the Wilder People, starring Sam Neill and a kid who was actually really awesome, and I can't oh remember my God. his name. I thought Julian was, Dennison. Uh, and he plays... Um, Ricky Baker. Baker. Ricky, Ricky ba- Baker. Yeah. <laughs> the song. Dude, that song's on YouTube. It's great. <laughs> is it really? Oh, my God. Um, yeah, just Ricky Baker birthday song. You'll find it. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I I thought he was going to annoy the shit out of me the whole movie, and uh, it took about five minutes for me to for him to completely win me over. Oh, man, this is like okay. Well, this movie is about a kid who goes to a, a foster family, and then rather than wanting to leave the foster family, he decides to run away into a great expanse known as the bush. Which, yes, they do point out the the comedy in that name. On at least one occasion? Oh, I'm pretty sure it was just once. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just, (laughs) you said Bush. Right, and then, yeah, that's that's it, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and that's about all I need to say about plot. But and I can get back to what I was going to say, which was this this movie. The first like ten minutes are like up to me. <laughs> like the first ten minutes are up. Like like that level of fuck you. You rip my heart out. <laughs> Wait. Um. Here, hold on. Pause for one second. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yes. All right. So sorry. I, yeah, I know the bit you're talking. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I was like, what? Because it's not. Pre- sorry. It's not presented as gut punchingly as Up was. It's not as like direct. It's not like a montage that ends with a. No, and that's that why was, it's. I don't know. It's almost worse in that. Re- worse it, in that respect. Yeah. It's. It's basically a young boy who learns to be loved for the first time and then has it horribly yanked away out of nowhere. I know. It's awful. Man, and seriously, when that... I, I actually... I had this thought in my mind. It, it grew to this horrible realization, like, right before it happened. Because <laughs> I was thinking, like, mm-hmm. you know, man, I, I'm really, I really like this Aunt Bella character, like, but I, you know, I didn't really see her represented in the trailers. I get that she just probably didn't didn't go along with them, you know, in in the forest. But I'm just like, well, where was she? Uh, whatever. Oh. And I'm like, and then I'm like, man, wow, she's she's awesome. I, it's amazing that I've been able, I've connecting with not only her but believing in their relationship as genuine and beautiful. And oh, <sighs> um. You know, James, technically, she does go along with them. Oh, yeah. Okay. But, uh, you know, I'm uh, kind of being an asshole. So, uh, I, and actually, you just, wow, you know what? For the first time, you kind of made me realize that this is kind of an adaptation of Up. <laughs> oh, my this, God. This movie actually does follow the plot of Actually, Up. hang on a moment. <laughs> Um, there is no bit about the, uh, about the old man who in this case is named uncle heck. He, there, there is no childhood idol who they come across and have to fight in an aerial battle with talking dogs. But, uh, just in terms but of, there is like a general, entire general military conflict. Yeah. There's a mil. <laughs> there's a military conflict. But like, does New Zealand even have military? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they just all riding on horseback or something? Um, <laughs> I yeah, we alienated all of our New Zealand listeners, James. <laughs> Damn it, the Kiwis. Uh, um, and uh, it's, I mean, he, he, even down to the point where he's got a uh, a rotund child with him who, uh. I don't think an up they ever make any reference to kidnapping, but uh, who basically gets you know taken away from where he's supposed to be, and they go on this adventure together, discover more about themselves, and uh, while wistfully thinking about his deceased love, uh, the man uh, comes to open himself up more to love and genuine emotions. <laughs> My it's God, this is a fucking movie! <laughs> Holy shit! And oh, good. And here, while I was watching it, here I kept comparing it in my head to um, uh, uh, Swiss Army Man, weirdly enough, because oh yeah, I, it just it just kind of felt similar at bits to me because it it had kind of a similar thing of like two 
people who didn't fit into society to reprobates who, you know, kind of bonded with each other in the woods and kind of figured out what their place in society was and how they were going to live their lives. And, you know, it, I, it was kind of ringing similar uh, bells for me. But uh, no, this is this is uh, up. This is live action up. And it's great. It's really great. I, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's for me, one of my biggest surprises of the year. And, uh, cause I literally hadn't heard about it before a week ago. So, and you know, I don't even think we've described it, described it well enough because while I did talk about its gut punchingness, it's really fucking funny. Oh, I know. It's even a- like right after this gut punching moment is a hilarious bit where the director of this movie, uh, plays a minister who is giving the last words at the at Aunt Bella's funeral, and he's describing these two doors very poorly, by the way. But then there's but then there's three doors. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Like Jesus he's... is behind one of them, and then there's candy and stuff behind the first one, and you don't really know what's behind the second one, but it's very hard to get to, and the metaphor just becomes completely botched. Yeah, like it's like someone who's telling a joke and like totally fucks up the setup, and just remembers the punchline and expects it to still be funny. Did we mention that uh, the director uh, Taika Waititi is one of the two? Did I? Say, I think I said that at the beginning of the show. Yeah, yeah he's one of the two people behind uh, what, what we, we do in the shadows, shadows last year, I, the vampire yes. mockumentary. Yes, um, kind of worth noting that this is a very different style, and. It's incredibly I, I, different. Actually, to, I mean, obviously it's not a mockumentary, but he actually does a lot here with montage that I thought was very interesting. Like, it's it's actually pretty stylistic filmmaking. Um, I was actually getting some, it, not not crazy, I was getting somewhat like Wes Anderson vibes from this. I don't know if it, that... It, uh, no, they were a bit... Um, particularly, there's a scene uh, at the near the beginning where Aunt Bella slaughters a pig, and uh, yeah. the way it cuts uh, so rapidly, and even like has a... Uh, um, it even just cuts to a pure red screen for a split second. Uh, it actually reminded me a lot of a scene from uh, Moonrise Kingdom when I think he shoots an arrow into one of the kids' eyes. Um, <laughs> it's done very similarly. Um, it, it, this isn't, I wouldn't call this like a, it doesn't ape Wes Anderson's style really, but it does kind of have those uh, expressionist moments. It's very cool. Um, and it's a lot less detached than Wes Anderson likes to be. Oh yeah, it's 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 actually very emotional and very like you know. In fact, even right after that quick cut montage, it's uh it's just Aunt Bella with her face smeared with blood. She's like, "All right, we got it. Let's." <laughs> and then she like wipes more blood on her face. Why? Yep. And this is man in a I, the episode after we we talked about we Ghostbusters. This is just such a breath of fresh air to oh, see that's someone that's like, oh, you have other types of comedy than just what is actually written down. Wow. Oh, well, that's just, I was actually thinking about Ghostbusters as well during this because I was thinking about all the funny female roles in this movie. Um, I guess all the is kind of an exaggeration. There's two, two but they're two yeah. pretty substantial roles, though. Uh, Aunt Bella and uh, uh, the... Uh, detect the main detective is it? Uh, or no, no, no. I'm sorry. She heads the uh, foster children program. Uh, uh, Paula, yeah, Paula, played by Rachel House. Um, she's a social worker. She's a so- I'm sorry. Yeah, she's that's the proper word for it, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> but who she's the head orphan lady. <laughs> she basically just leads this national manhunt for Ricky <laughs> after they think that he's been kidnapped by Uncle Heck. 
and molested. And even after they find out that he's probably not been kidnapped, like oh yeah, it's it's a full. Uh, I mean, I can't. I, I would imagine that this is the entire police force of New Zealand on the case <laughs> that culminated. And even in like showdown, even like just hunters out for a reward. Um, in a final chapter called War. Um, actually, just before I forget, that that is actually one thing I didn't necessarily like about the film. I, I thought the chapter headings were kind of a unnecessary device. I thought they were yeah, kind of- and obviously they were confusing too because sometimes they would take a uh, a word or a phrase from the what you just saw, and then other times it would be something you were going to see in that chapter. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and they kind of seem to come and go. I mean, just the, the divisions didn't really seem natural to me within the story. They kind of see like the first one comes about. Um, you know, twenty or thirty minutes into the movie, and then they start coming out every five minutes for a while, and then um, not necessarily any. I mean, not even that much happens between them. I don't know. It was to me, it kind of seemed like a uh, a device that could have been used a lot better. I'll say that. Definitely, and my, I guess my only, if I'm going to throw out, this is a nitpick. This is a nitpick. If so. I'm going to throw out another little nitpick, I'm, I wasn't sure if in those moments when it's showing the vastness of the military and how Ricky Baker basically like Mad Maxes them at, no, at one I, point. I was actually wondering if they were going to directly reference Mad Max. At, uh, yeah, I'm like he's oh he's turning around and driving through the through the crowd. Yeah. Got it. They're going back to the Citadel. Yeah, right. Um, I, I I had to wonder. I was like, I, I don't really know if they if they truly realize just how ridiculous they're being. I know they're being ridiculous, and they know it. But I don't know if they're they're really grasping what's going on. I uh, I I did love how Ricky gets so caught up in the adventure and the sense of rebellion and freedom that he just has to go out like a fighter. <laughs> it's like costs. I'm going out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> At all costs, uh, it's it's great. Um, also, we get to see New Zealand again. At the movies, we haven't like I mean since Lord of the Rings. I don't really know if we've really you know had a uh, you know such prominent uh, New Zealand playing such a prominent role in a movie. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was trying to I was trying to find out like how much of this was shot like on location. I wasn't able to, but whatever, wherever they shot is beautiful. So I, I guess I just assumed they did shoot most of it on location because you can't really replicate New Zealand. No, no, it's, it's not it's, like you can just a, walk around in the forests of the Pacific Northwest and it's, be like, it's, yeah, we're in New Zealand. It's both distinctive and varied, which is what made it so perfect for Lord of the Rings because it could stand in for so many different environments. Um, but also it is like distinctively New Zealand. Like you can't get any of those anywhere else. Um, so no, yeah. So just gotta, you know, give credit to the, um, location shooting as well. This movie is pretty darn gorgeous. And I was not expecting that. Um, I, I honestly didn't know what I was expecting. I kind of thought it would be uh, uh, more uh, magical realism, kind of like Swiss army man. And I'm really happy it didn't go that way. It was, uh, a lot more grounded and comedic, I will say that. Oh, definitely. I mean, I and I've loved a lot of comedy films this year, and I'm really glad that the the hits keep on coming, the good hits, um, because 
this is right up there with the one with the three that I put on my top five of the first half of the year being uh, everybody wants um, pop star and hail Caesar like they were all great so yep yeah it's a yeah it is a surprising good year for comedy um and I heard someone call last year the year that comedy died so <laughs> come back I mean there were a lot of great female driven films last year but yeah I can't really think of any great comedies last year except for what we do in the shadows and uh uh according to you and i only say that because i haven't seen it yet um according to you <laughs> um sleeping, uh, with other people. sleeping with other people thank you um uh, yeah i wasn't wasn't gonna leave it up to you to remember that film that you haven't seen <laughs> yeah but you know i do need to to check it out i'll i, I take your uh i take your praise um very seriously so yeah, no, they, it, check it out. It struck um, a, a note of it struck a it struck a genuine note is the best way to say it, and uh, that's I could bring us off our tangent and bring it back into Hunt for the Willer people, and you know we plot wise this is a lot like Up, and a lot of times they do learn learn similar messages, but they also it's not quite it doesn't quite carry over. There's a lot of there's a lot of different stuff they. Different emotional centers. James, James, you understand they even have a plot where they find a rare bird. Uh huh. I know. <laughs> I mean, this is pretty, pretty much up. What's missing though is uh, Sam Neill's character. He doesn't have that story arc where he, where he is really doing this because he wants more he wanted to fulfill uh, something unfulfilled with his relationship with his wife and and instead that's replaced by this allowing him to foster a new relationship and so it's where is in whereas in up he's sort of the old man character is sort of split between those two ideals samuel really gets to focus on one well that's actually what kind of got me to start compare i mean i didn't even think about up during um i did compare it more to swiss army man and i think that's why this idea because samuel begins his i mean what, what by the time the plot really shifts to focus on him more uh his main motivation is kind of just getting away from society of resigning himself and of you know becoming a hermit almost and especially after uh, everyone he, thinks he's a pervert y- yes um in one of the most amazing sometimes i ask him if he wants to play with me but he just says i should play with myself it's i've seen that bit done before not not to that not to necessarily that end but you know the same comedic dynamic workout with like this misunderstanding that's that's maybe the best one i've ever seen it's it's definitely one of the best i will say it's and especially the reaction after it's like what were you saying do you realize what that sounds like like (gasps) no (gasps) oh (laughs) It was always the South Park one, which is, ah! <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but, um, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. Um, but that's kind of where I got, the, you know, because, the, um, uh, because, uh, Ricky obviously has no place in the world aside from the one that Aunt Bella made for him. Uh, when she's no longer there to provide that, he's virtually a drifter. Um, I mean, she was she was the character who was kind of anchoring both him and Heck to the ground. And when she's gone, 
they're both kind of adrift without really a place and they they don't relate with society um so them kind of mulling about it in the woods is what kind of brought back swiss army man references it's kind of brought swiss army man to my to my mind when i was watching it i don't know there's there's so much though that i can really cling on to with these characters i like the i like the way the the revelation about uh about aunt bella's character who treated both sam and her as sort of like a rescue project i think they <laughs> calls him like a rescue dog or something like that and the way that she just wanted to save people, to be honest. And then with with Ricky talking about how he's going to go back to Juvie if, they, if he doesn't find another home. Well, I mean, and they're not going to find another home. So if this home doesn't work, which it's not, he's just going to have to go, go to Juvie and then rot there. Yeah, I love the uh, weirdly sexist policy that... Uh if it's just a man, without oh, a, yeah, so. <laughs> they can't take care of Ricky, which is the which is what causes Ricky to to want to run away because, uh, basically, social services is going to come and take him away from his home after Bella dies, um, uh, because apparently, uh, Heck is incapable of raising a child on his own according to the law. Man, I I seriously can't believe that I I drew a comparison with up in my mind and failed to see the litany of other comparisons it's virtually the same movie (laughs) this is great though and you know what fine you know it actually it doesn't make me look at it in any different light I, i enjoyed it a lot and i think these characters are different enough even though they go through the same thing they're they are different enough that i i can cling to it and look at it a different way so there's that Sorry, I'm I'm watching the Ricky Baker Happy Birthday song. Okay, <laughs> it's so amazing. Ricky Baker. It's a it's a really funny song. I'm I'm that that point too is, God, all their all their little bits. It was amazing to me, and I said this before, but it was amazing to me how they were able to develop that relationship in like five minutes. You know, I was I was sold. I expected this to be one of those things. Well, because you had to you had to believe every bit of it. You had to believe that Ricky had been hadn't been moved around from home to home. That he, um, you know, that that he genuinely felt dejected, didn't you know, not loved by anyone, and that this woman not only could have affection for him, but also convince him that she does as well, and that he could reciprocate it. And they do it brilliantly. I, I actually, the kid who plays Ricky is maybe one of my favorite like child performers that I've like discovered for the first time in a while. You know, it's that didn't really make any sense as a sentence. Basically he's it's, it's one of the best child performances I've seen in recent memory. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's I, so many just little character moments and both in dialogue and physically like her, she would like poke him and he would sort of be uncomfortable with it, but then like go along with it. And then like verbally there's, him saying like this is the best birthday i've ever had and he's like oh i think this is the only birthday i ever had yeah and it just it strikes a lot but of he tragedy he doesn't he doesn't do it. that line i i remember that line because i i remember that it could have been delivered way too cute like it could have exactly, been yeah it could have been that could have been a like full house start the violin strings moment and he he pulled it off with just the right amount of or you know believability and or like organic emotion that it, it hit just the right note 
where you didn't really even get the sense that he was all that sad about it. He didn't really understand what it meant to that all, all those lost years. But you as an audience member could bring that to your understanding of it. It was, it was that, that kind of subtlety pervades the entire performance throughout the whole film. And then they rip it all away from you. <sighs> but then they give it all back. So yeah, it's fine. It's, Oh my god, the be- Sorry, one of my favorite lines after Bella dies and uh and uh, Uncle uh uh Uncle Heck tells him that he has to you know that social services are gonna come and take him away. It's like and Ricky's just like, You can marry other women? What, too soon? <laughs> I died. It was I it's a incredibly deft handling of comedy and tragedy where when the they blend this really well and they they keep the tragedy throughout and i think that that's that was sort of like lost in a movie like up where that first like 10 15 minutes is just so tragic but they don't really they don't carry the tragedy too much throughout the movie whereas i feel i felt like at least in hunt for the will of people it's still very intertwined throughout the throughout the conversations they have and their interactions with each other yeah it's it's actually took me a while to get used to the tone because you could very easily. I mean, honestly, the funeral scene is probably the perfect metaphor for the tone because, or the, the or I guess the perfect example of the tone because at the same time that you're dealing with a legitimately tragic event, you also have one of the most absurd characters in the entire movie doing an extended comedic bit. And in that scene, I actually, believe it or not, it, it took me a few, like a maybe a minute or two before I really determined that yes, this is working for me. I just it took me off guard, and I had to kind of orient myself because it's not necessarily a tone. It strikes a very unique tone that I don't think I felt before, where it's it's not shift, it's not fluctuating between comedy and tragedy. It's balancing both at once to the point where you virtually can't distinguish them from one another. Yeah, no, it's 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 intertwined. They constantly call back to one or the other, and even when they're making jokes, you're not really forgetting about the the situation. But even when they're talking about the sad parts or their their experiences with tragedy, with per- with this personal tragedy, they're still able to do it in a lighthearted way. And I don't think I'm describing it well enough to really do it justice. Point is, you should see this movie. It's really good. <laughs> Yeah, we don't. I don't. Th- I think we've we've talked hunt for the will of people to death. So. We have. I I think that this is just you know this is just a loose and fun episode. Nothing heavy. Nothing serious. Nothing very structured. Um, we will have more substance next week. Um, when we do, I believe we're doing Suicide Squad. Yeah, Suicide Squad. Oh yeah. boy. Oh man. If it is possible to die of Schadenfreude, <laughs> I might. Uh, I, I might have to come to terms with that. Um, okay, but just here, here, just think yeah. that by the time we're recording this, if it's Wednesday next week, that means that the following day we'll be able to see Sausage Party. Oh my god! Oh my like, god! That's so, something to look forward to. <laughs> I'm so stoked! I am so stoked! It's still, by the way, still rocking the hundred on, on RT, still, yeah, but still just with eight votes. So you know. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. I hope I have high hopes. Sausage <laughs> uh, Party, it's best one of animated most, picture it's for one your of consideration. Most, it's one of the most anticipated films of the summer, really of the whole year. Yeah, no, and I'm 
I'm re- I'm really glad that uh, that's something you're looking forward to. Just because I I told you I'd heard some mixed reactions to the trailer, and I was like, I don't I'm this is abundantly positive for me. I, what did I miss? So, yeah, yeah. But I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> if you're good at something, never do it for free. I just oh. watched The Dark Knight, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? oh, you know, I actually just watched The Dark Knight Rises pretty recently. Um, people dislike that movie way too much now. Re- I, I've really? gone back. I, I've gone back and forth on it. Yeah, because um, you know, I saw it for the first time. I enjoyed it, and then people started nitpicking it and finding all these plot holes. Which don't get me wrong, there are a bunch of them. Um, but people seem to then kind of like almost like dislike the movie actively, and uh, I watched it again. It's it's really good. I just <laughs> I, I I know that seems almost like no duh, but I, I I'm just saying it's. It's fucking like I, I mean, plot. I, I mean, if you just don't get caught up in, you know, plot and pointing out. Well, you know, that maybe s- couldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah. It's if if you get out of that mindset, it's a it's a pretty stunning portrait of a city falling apart. No, and I realized I I was really having the wrong conversation because right after the movie came out, I I had gotten to several arguments with people about whether or not the whole. Um, Batman, he wouldn't be able to fly the nuke out of the radius in time, you know, and it's like, I was having, I was playing into the exact wrong conversation, I didn't need to have the conversation on those terms, like, fuck it, I don't, that's kind of, that's kind of what I've come to the conclusion, that most of the objections to the Dark Knight Rises are centered around stuff like that. Yeah, and it's like, well, he couldn't have got out in time or something like that. It's like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> I, I don't believe the travel times between the middle of the desert and God. How did he get back to God? It was like, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, those are plot holes. How did the Joker not you, murder everyone in Bruce Wayne's penthouse? You can, <laughs> Yeah, you can cite those as problems if you want, but are you really going to let it... Like, is that going to be your main takeaway from this movie that Christopher Nolan put together for you? I mean, I don't know. Something about... Something about the Dark Knight Rises and and just look. I feel like no one's really watched it since it came out. It is. I actually think it's kind of a movie that was a little ahead of its time. I think it's the perfect movie for right now. You think so? Just as a society, it just oh yeah. Seems, it just kind of seems like we're at that tipping point, and it just it it, it kind of seems to be speaking to anxieties that we're going through as a, as a culture right now. It just is very fitting, and I'm amazed that Christopher Nolan came out with that. You know four years ago i mean my my non-political takeaway of it uh, takeaway from it is in in my opinion of the nolan trilogy it is it has by far the most emotional weight of mm-hmm. any of the other movies of, of batman begins or or the dark knight and that's really mm-hmm. why i why i've op- why i stand by my comment that it's the best of the nolan trilogy i know that's controversial um, and even I know that you're not you're not gonna take that leap. Uh, no, I'm not. But. No, I'm not. But it's also not the black sheep of the Nolan trilogy, like I've heard it called. Um, yeah, a lot of people er- just like to forget it exists. Like, oh, though that one was definitely the worst. And it's like, oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah, no, for real. I I just like that's kind of what I'm saying. I don't get that response to it. Um, is it as perfect as the Dark Knight? No, definitely not. But um, I mean, the Dark Knight's not perfect enough. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> But I mean, I think The Dark Knight's objectively a better movie. But still, it's it's just kind of amazing how like 
I, I'm just saying, if the Dark Knight is a metaphor for surveillance in the post-9-11 Bush era, uh, I think that The Dark Knight Rises is a pretty, like, it's a pretty great allegory for modern-day populist, populist fear. It's just, it's, it just really hits home, at least to me, um, in, a, in a way that I don't think I've ever seen a superhero movie even attempt to do before. That's what's impressive about it. It's that they deal with, it's like, I mean, Dark Knight Rises is a very macro movie, whereas, like, even The Dark Knight is kind of, like, I mean, yeah, there, there are a couple things with, like, you know, the, the social experiments and dealing with, you know, groups of people, but at the end of the day, it's very much a character. I mean, I mean, you could boil it down to a character study between Batman and the Joker and, and Harvey Dent, actually probably more Harvey Dent. Um, and Osama bin Laden. And Osama bin Laden. I have to find this man, and Lucius. It's, it's, it's really George Bush versus Osama bin Laden. That's, that's the, dark. <laughs> um, uh, the Dark Knight Rises. I, I think it's, it just seems so much more apocalyptic and so much, you know, it's, it's, it's a it's a more unseemly beast, but it's also a lot more ambitious. And uh, for me, it actually kind of you know evokes more. I, I agree with you on the you know on the emotion front, uh, even though about seventy five percent of those emotions are generated by Michael Caine alone. Um, <laughs> you know, it's honestly too that Michael Caine is probably the person I got like the least uh, the least connection with. You know, <laughs> like I get that he was sad about it, but more so I got with. With Bruce Wayne climbing out of the climbing out of the pit, which pretty this, much brings me to tears every time I see it. This or, is awesome. awesome. This is awesome. Awesome. <laughs> um, or um, or or Joseph Gordon-Levitt, John Robin Blake. Uh, you know, getting the bridge blown up in his face, and then officially denouncing the the shackles of the justice system, and becoming Batman. You know, like that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Batman I, and Catwoman. Oh, Batman and Catwoman. But you know, um, it's all it's all for naught because the uh, the the helicopter could have never cleared the, or I'm sorry, the bat could have never cleared the uh, blast radius of the uh, yeah, nuclear of nuclear bomb. And fine. you know what? Those people are just gonna die of radiation poisoning anyway. <laughs> God, the internet's the worst. I know. It's like, come on, is this really important? Just ask yourself. Although I will say, I still die every time I I hear um, it's uh, you know Bruce re- recites the uh, you know sometimes uh, you know it's like anyone could be a hero, even a, a man who puts a coat around the. Oh yeah, he's a, uh, it's Bruce uh, Wayne. Yeah, when he goes Bruce Wayne, I'm like, oh my god, he's literally the last one who knows. <laughs> the last one in Gotham to figure. <laughs> I know. I, I just. That that still plays, I think, like really unintentionally comedic to me. It's Bruce Wayne. It's Bruce Wayne. It's like well, uh, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you though that I did the second most recent time I, I watched The Dark Knight Rises was in a Nyquil fever. Uh, oh, like I took some Nyquil and laid down to fall asleep during The Dark Knight Rises. And then I woke up briefly and confusedly during the you came here to die with your city scene <laughs> and i was like that line plays no better even when i'm I, high as fuck well, well and you got it completely out of context like totally secluded on its own just woke up entered the scene and it's you came to die with your city no, no. i, I came here I, to stop you 
Duh. <laughs> Seriously, no, I came here to save it would have been... Uh, just... That's all you needed. That's all you needed. Yeah. Came here to live for it. You know, <laughs> something. Give, something. Give me something else. Like, don't take his question literally. <laughs> He's not actually asking what you're doing. <laughs> it's clear. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, regardless. Uh, this and, additional 20-minute segment about the Dark Knight Rises is brought to you by... And, and it still would have been better if they, cu- if they didn't cut away at the end. Anyway, um... This this uh, twenty five yeah this twenty five minute sequence about the Dark Knight Rises has been brought to you by the Marvel paychecks that me and James receive on the regular. <laughs> yes, we love DC. Wait, I don't know who's paying us. <laughs> uh, I mean the mouse. Who are we to question the almighty ears? See, I'm giving an alternative theory. The real the real person paying us off is Chris Nolan, who is gonna make it his life goal to ensure that no other Batman film is good <laughs> he's sabotaging all of them yeah and he's the one paying off the reviewers I, I, I got you <laughs> fuck you I'm still man you use that voice and that's uh, use that voice when I described the scene directly taken from the long Halloween except not except not from the dark night he was seriously just fucking with me and I hate him for it I got you I got it's, you it's funny because I saw the Dark Knight first and then I read the long Halloween so my reaction was reversed I had a false sense of security <laughs> in the long Halloween You're like oh well, this oh is my gonna god, happen oh god then I got Two-Face yeah but for me it was like oh my god they're doing this already uh, uh, oh come on yeah. oh. I will say I do like that I do like that line though Carbon fiber, 22 caliber, made in China. If you want to assassinate a public figure, Mr. Maroney, you better buy American. <laughs> I suggest you buy American. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's a pretty badass line. I know, I'm like, damn. I've, on a second watch, I was able to appreciate that. <laughs> After you're just like, okay, Chris Nolan, you win this round. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we better we better wrap this motherfucker up. <laughs> all right, all right. Suicide Squad next week. Be ready, because um, I certainly am. Yeah, we're gonna have more Batman talk. <laughs> get pumped, get hyped. Uh, we'll never shut up as long as we live, because we're talking during the movies. This is this is our twelve year episode. <laughs> Let me go. <laughs> All right, it was a great show this week. It's going to be a great show next week. And as always, thank you for listening.